end of our Advent series, as you've seen here on the slides and in the video, that uh, we are coming to adore Jesus. And our aim and the way that we've been doing that is to uh, inhabit Advent by adoring King Jesus. Uh, And so I don't know about you, but this has really challenged my perception of Christmas. If you had come up to me and asked me, Aaron, what is Christmas about? I probably would have, um, out of habit or ritual, told you Jesus. I would have told you about the birth of him and the significance of it. But if I was challenged on it, I would also add a whole lot of other things to that list. I would have added gathering with family. I would have added uh, the time I spend with friends, with family eating good meals, looking at Christmas lights or lack of Christmas lights, as I did one year with a friend. Uh, No word of a lie, we drove past all the good ones and stopped at all the bad ones and took photos out of people's houses. They were really confused. Um, But we add so many things to this list. And, And what I've been challenged about this series is would Jesus be enough? Would Jesus be enough? The gift of the season, the the time that we have together, the reason that we sing, that we gather, that we get holidays, that we make mulled wine, but we turn down the temperature on the air conditioning so we don't sweat while we consume it, is the reason why we do all of these things enough. This question of, is Jesus enough? If I wasn't able to cross the border later this time to go see my partner's family, if I wasn't able to have more than five people in my house, if I couldn't get that job or maybe I'm losing my job, or maybe there's a list or a host of prayers that I've been praying all year that still haven't been answered this Christmas, would Jesus be enough? Would the news that he brings still be good? And if our gut reaction and perhaps, like I said before, our routine be a a solid or strong yes, I would ask one more question that toddlers have asked for centuries and will continue to ask for centuries more. Why? (laughs) Why? Why is this good news? And the last thing I would want to do to start off this message would be insensitive to some of the challenges and the tough times that we're going through at the moment. I I think it would be quite safe to say that most people in this room would have a challenge, if not more, of something that they're walking through at the moment. Your situation, your circumstance may be significant and it may be challenging. And I'm not here to offer a comparison, but rather my sincerest empathy and prayers. And I believe that emotion is okay, it's valid and it's real. But I I can personally reflect for a moment and maybe I would encourage you to do the same. At the end of the day, could I rest my head on my pillow, knowing that even if I'm struggling right now, even if I'm in the shadow, even if I'm in the valley of my circumstance, of my situation, would I be okay that the birth of Jesus be enough? Would that be enough? Because the Christian faith and the story that we believe in at Christmas suggests that it is. It suggests that it's good news for me, for you, and for all people, as Anna preached so beautifully last week. I love how Pastor Alex started this series. It was this simple but potent sentence, one that on the surface seemed plain obvious, but when deeply received and meditated on was deeply and sincerely challenging. He reminded us that Christmas is about Jesus. 
Christmas is about Jesus. And today, it's my prayer that we would be reminded, potentially introduced, and if anything else, encouraged, that because of this, it's good news. So before we go any further, uh, I'm going to need God's help today. Uh, I haven't preached in a while, I'm nervous, you know when you speak, your mouth gets a little dry, it's like the Sahara Desert inside. Uh, There's a few host of things happening right now, so uh, why don't we just pray and ask for God to be with us in this moment. God, I thank you that all throughout this afternoon, ever since walking through these doors this afternoon, I've been so aware of your presence. And so, God, as as we share and open the scriptures together, would nothing be different in this moment? Would it not be about a fresh idea or this new thing? Would it not be about learning facts that maybe we didn't know before we walked in? But, Father, would this time be richly spent opening the words of scripture that you so lovingly gifted to us? And will we learn more about who you are and what you're doing here? Will we learn more about who you are, King Jesus, and what that means for our lives today? Father, above all else, would you remind us, encourage us, perhaps introduce us that you are enough. And so, Father, would you increase as I decrease? Would you speak, and Holy Spirit, would you be ever so present in our midst? We love you, Father. Amen. Well, we're going to open the scriptures together this afternoon. We're going to read from Matthew 1, 18 to 21. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to grab them out or your phones or your iPads or whatever you have. Uh, If you're like me and you take notes and you like a neat little heading up the top, uh, feel free to write the uh, the king with news. And if you're like me and you take a while to flip through your Bible and you're a little bit self-conscious that people beside you are already in the Gospels, I'm that person. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know where this is. Hopefully I've buffered enough time for you. Uh, And if not, the contents page is your best friend. I don't know why no one ever told me this. For me, it was like, if I use the contents page, I'm a bad Christian. Use the contents page. It's so helpful. Um, There's a reason why it's there. Matthew 1, we'll keep going. Matthew 1, 18 to 21, it reads this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. I love the detail that we're given in this Christmas narrative, this birth narrative of Jesus. For this Christmas narrative, when we look at Luke's account, he he talks about the birth of Jesus, whereas here in Matthew, uh, he actually tells us where Jesus came from, and and we read this and we learn this through the eyes of Joseph. And so, I don't know about you, but I can easily clump this narrative into one big cloudy retell of the Christmas story, Uh, but this afternoon, let's just be reminded that here we have a unique opportunity to learn from Joseph this unexpecting dad that we get insight into his reaction and his response. 
And so to paint us a bit of a contextual picture here this afternoon, uh, we have Mary, as I said, betrothed to Jesus. I'm going to stumble on that word the whole time. Uh, I was practicing at home, and I was like, is this even a word? (laughs) It is. Um, we'll keep going. Uh, and so, yeah, there are three stages to uh, marriage in the Jewish culture. And so the first one is engagement, a, a term that we are familiar with, but uh, this actually meant something different. See, this was happened when the bride and groom happened to be quite young, uh, and it was often arranged by their parents. Thankfully, my mum and my dad haven't arranged anything for me, but this is what happened here. Uh, And then the next step was our favorite word, betrothal, or whatever you say. Uh, And this made the previous engagement official. So this was legally binding. And during this period, the couple were actually known as husband and wife. And the only way that you could break this was by a legal divorce. And so this period typically lasted for a year, and the women would usually be around the age of 12. Crazy, right? And the husbands, they were usually around the age of 18, old enough to financially sustain themselves. Then, obviously, after this, marriage took place after the wedding. And so here in this story, we have this young couple, legally bound to one another, but actually not yet married. They're on this journey. And both were separate when they find out the news that Mary was going to have a child. And so, just for the next bit of time this afternoon, I want to do what I think Matthew is encouraging us to do. And that's to zoom in on this man of Joseph. Because we're reading this through his response. In Matthew, we're looking at who he is and what he does after he finds out this news. And so why not spend a bit of time looking into who this guy Joseph is? And so what do we know? What do we know from this passage of Scripture? Well, Eugene Peterson, he paints this picture of Joseph from verse 19 as being distressed but noble determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. The ESV, another translation, we read that he was a just man, unwilling to put her to shame. In another translation, the NIV, it says that he was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Even some translations and some theologians, they think this this root or key word here is actually righteous, that Joseph was righteous both spiritually and lawfully. And so here, we get this picture of Joseph, a seemingly integrous and just man, and he's faced with news that will drastically change the trajectory of his future. And before we go any further, I'll have a brief encouragement for us as we open this story. I don't know about you, but this is awfully familiar to me, this passage. Uh, It's something I've grown up learning in Sunday school, or you know, you read it out, church, 25th of December, Sunday morning, and all you're thinking about is, I need to go home and open my presents, mom and dad. Uh, This is so familiar to us. But my, my encouragement to you would be, in somehow, in some way, let's try and disconnect ourselves from what we have so religiously, religiously learned in our upbringings. Not that it's unhelpful, but so we get a clear picture of what's happening here. Because as I said, this is common and this is in somewhat comfortable, but the story in itself shouldn't be. 
It, it really shouldn't, because uh, I think if it happened today, this would be something that Tracy Grimshaw from A Current Affair would like absolutely lap up, should get headlines and titles. Not a funny joke, love Current Affair. Um, and this is the story that we call good news. So, so why is it good news? So let's look at Joseph before we get there. So we have an 18-year-old dude-ish, right? Gets this rattling life news. <laughs> And this is the crazy part. This is the part that should blow our minds. He acts righteously. He acts just. He acts faithfully. Just dwell on that for a moment. Not out of bitterness. Not out of retaliation or anger. Even though his character actually placed him in a position where he had to choose to do so in the most... uh, Yeah, he had to... There were consequences that came with his choice. He still chose to do so in the most honorable way possible. Something like this would have and should have costed Mary a public disgracing. Something where uh, she would have been put to shame in a public sphere in front of her whole town or city. And if not worse, yeah, if not worse. But here, compromised by deciding, Joseph compromised by deciding to do it privately. According to the Jewish tradition, this actually would have been done by Joseph sending her uh, a, an order of divorce, you could say. Uh, we see like evidence of this in Deuteronomy. Um, and this would have done privately in front of two witnesses, rather in front of the whole town. And so why do I say all this? Well, I don't know about you, but have you ever received this tough or this challenging or this surprising news? I sure have. I sure have. But reflecting on my experience and reflecting on it this way, I did not act the way I see Joseph act. That was not my gut reaction. I let it invade, crack, perhaps change my character, who I thought I was before this prior event. See, when I was preparing this, I couldn't help but think about uh, when I found out the diagnosis of my mum's breast cancer earlier this year. Uh, Praise the Lord that she's through it and she's in remission now. I'm so grateful for that. But, man, when I found that out, that rattled me. (laughs) In front of people, I was calm, I was cool, I was collected, and I was confident. And I'm thankful that that was actually a reality that I walked in for a period of time. But not all the time. There were moments where I would go to bed and I would be mad. Like, Jesus, like me, my family, my mom? Why? Why would you do this? Why would you do this? I was mad. I was upset. And if there was a choice for me to act and respond publicly, it may not have been a righteous decision. It may not have been just. And so here, in this story, I'm confronted with this guy who's younger than me, and he's probably confronting some very real emotions and feelings in this moment. I don't disregard that at all. But what is revealed is his character isn't tainted or swayed by his feelings or his emotions. Let me say that again. His character wasn't tainted or swayed by his feelings or emotions. Now, Joseph, he still acts righteously, fairly, perhaps secure in his identity and character. But this passage goes on, and it reveals uh, that he didn't even just go and retaliate or respond immediately. But in verse 20, we read that he considered these things. There was this moment of thoughtfulness, of consideration. Before he acted, he stopped. He reflected. 
He considered. He thought through all his options, actually giving space for perhaps the divine to speak to him. I'm not sure. But how many times have I heard this story and I haven't once been struck by the character of Joseph? And so I, I just will quickly offer this for you. I don't know about you, but I was preparing this last night and I just find my, found myself praying this prayer of, God, make me more like Joseph. Make me more like Joseph. Secure in my identity, secure in who I am. And if you're a Christian, and perhaps maybe you're not, you, you still know where this story is going. This man, Joseph, this, this is happening before the angel even interrupts him. We see this example of his character coming to terms with the only conclusion that he can comprehend. That Mary had relations with another man, so he does not doing the most merciful thing he knew in the most honoring and faithful way he knew how. Let's keep reading. Verse 20. But as he was considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Just a quick note on that. I was reading this up, and, and Matthew mentions this multiple times about being conceived by the Holy Spirit. And it alludes to there being other people that thought that maybe this was a bit ludicrous that maybe Mary was a bit unfaithful in her marriage, or maybe Mary and Joseph had did something to um, yeah, disqualify this marriage. But Matthew makes it really clear to us that it was by the Holy Spirit. It's important to mention. 21, he, she will bear a son and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Catch this. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. With the, the short remainder of our time here this afternoon, I'm going to aim to address two questions that I feel like could help encourage us here this afternoon. The first one being, why was this good news for Joseph? What shifted him from wanting to divorce his wife to then taking her, being faithful to her, and helping partake in birthing this son and naming him Jesus? The second one being, why is this then good news for us? So why was this good news for Joseph? How did he get from, as I said, going to quietly divorce Mary to not only keeping his premarital covenant with her, but also partaking in naming his son Jesus, which has a whole heap of theological connotations that we don't even have time to go into today. And so there are obviously a few things at play here. Firstly, we have the angel of the Lord appearing to Joseph. And this, although seems like a potential, another, a current affair headline, this was actually a common way that we saw God speak to his people. So this would have been super significant for Joseph. And secondly, we see this pretty clear outline of what, have been, what would have been a potentially obvious and clear fulfillment to the Messiah that had been prophesied about and that they would have been believing and praying for. The answer of reconciliation and redemption. So this too would have been significant for Joseph. 
And no part of me wants to downplay this or put these aside, because as I said, they're significant and there's many other factors at play. But for the sake of this afternoon, let's just step back for a second. Let's zoom out from this in-depth story here. And what do we read? Verse 24 to 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So from one dream, one dream, Joseph went from considering a divorce to being faithful to Mary and to the Lord probably going to jump back on this Joseph fanboy trade just for a little while longer. Um, Because I've been in far less wild situations, in in far more comprehensible and understandable circumstances. But I would not, I have not reacted the same way Joseph did here. So, as I said, there are so many factors here at play. But I can't help to draw this uncomfortably simple conclusion to this circumstance. Why was this good news for Joseph? Well, friends, this afternoon, I wonder if it's because Joseph knew that God was good. I wonder if it's because Joseph knew that God was good. This is, as I said, uncomfortably simple, but sincerely fills me with hope. Because at this point to Joseph, the birth of his son Jesus was simply a dream that he had whilst deliberating his probable divorce. There was yet to be evidence. There was yet to be physical proof. Jesus was yet to be born. Joseph could have potentially written this off as a weird dream, because there was still so much faith and so much belief that was needed from Joseph. I think of moments in my life where I've wondered if God has spoke to me, and I go, hmm, I'll wait to see if he speaks again. Or maybe I'll wait to see if someone else gets the same word or same picture to confirm what I'm thinking. But Joseph, Joseph seems to have this security knowing who God is. How did did Joseph wake from his sleep and do as the angel of the Lord commanded him? How did Joseph know that this was good news? Again, friends, I can't help but think it's because Jesus knew that God was good, and it was that truth that he clung to. It was this that his character was so firmly placed in, his hope so surely fixated on. Despite the challenges or the opinions of men, the rumors of those who were also in disbelief, God was a goodness he could cling to. And so I started this afternoon by posing this question, this thought, if Jesus, if Christmas is about Jesus, is that enough? And Joseph's dependency on who he knows God to be is a challenging sentiment for me to consider in light of this question. In a moment in time where uh, a lot of what I want to do is react, react out of how I feel, react and respond out of my emotions, push back on things that I think is unfair and unjust. Do I, I ask myself, do I have this clear understanding of who God is and the truth that Jesus brings enough to solely depend on it? Yeah, 
Is the goodness of God enough? When times are hard, who do I look to? Who do I depend on? Are my actions reactive or are they righteous? If the goodness of God was enough for Joseph, is it enough for me? Is it enough for you? And so secondly, you might be joining us here this afternoon and you're still wondering, why is this news of Jesus good? Why was this worth the potential humiliation of culture that surrounded Mary and Joseph? I get, Aaron, that you're saying that it's because he is good, but maybe uh, what's so good about this? What's so good about this? Maybe even, Aaron, how is this even about adoring Jesus, which is about what this whole series is simply about? Well, I think it's so acutely summarized in the Gospel of John. And again, this is probably super familiar words to you, but I challenge you to reflect on them and let them sink in. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In the Greek, Jesus says name means Yahweh saves. And in the Jewish culture and world, these names just wouldn't be uh, cute things that you'd put on a banner above your bed, but they were actually symbols containing hopes and prayers of the parents for the children. And Jesus means that through him, God promises that salvation will come to his people and that the Jewish people mistakenly interpreted this in terms of meaning, a different term meaning save. They believed that God would deliver them by destroying their enemies. And so here in this passage that we've been talking about this afternoon, we see Matthew clarifying God's mission in 21, that he will save his people from their sins. And it's this of which that Jesus invites us to partake in. And so I'm still left with all these questions, right? How did we know that Jesus was actually going to be good? How do we actually know that the news he was bringing was going to be helpful and and positive and and life-changing and transformation? How do we know that he was going to be the Messiah that he would later claim to be? How do we know that the news of King Jesus would actually be good? And my conclusion that I'm drawing here this afternoon is that this was only good news because God is good. It was this fulfillment, this promise that Joseph and Mary were convinced of because they knew who God was. They knew this promise was true. They knew that his words wouldn't return void. And so is Jesus enough? As the band comes back up, I've been reflecting and meditating on this question and the two things that steer me away from answering a simple yes is my perception of who God is, thinking that maybe he's not as good as I once thought he was, thinking that maybe he actually doesn't love me, doesn't see me in my present circumstance. Or it's that I've lived in the reality of what, I haven't lived in the reality of what Jesus' life accomplishes for me. I've still chosen to walk my own way, to react in my emotions and my feelings, and I've let it invade and crack my character. 
And so as I close, I'm, I'm aware I've just spoken a whole heap of ideas and thoughts and scriptures at you, but if I could boil it down to one thing this afternoon for us here, is do you know the news of the king to be good? Why? Because do you know that God is good? Is this news an inherited story for you? Is it something that's repeated year and year again just when we hit the time of December? Is it a skepticism that you've had about the Christian faith? Or is it a hope? Is it a comfort? Is it a peace knowing that God is good? Is it a reality that knowing even if, even if I'm still waiting on that prayer to be answered, even if I could only hang out with my housemates this Christmas, even if, would God still be good to me? Is God still good? So why don't we stand as we finish this afternoon? And it's a simple one call that I felt God calling us to this afternoon and challenging my heart is, do I truly believe that God is good? Because why does this matter? I believe to adore King Jesus, to truly honor him and love him and give him my true worship and adoration. I have to believe that God is good. Because otherwise the purpose that he sent Jesus for is his void. It's out the window, it's pointless. Friends, do you believe this afternoon that God is good? For it was out of God's love that he sent Jesus. And so as we close our eyes around this place this afternoon, you might want to open your hands. You might just want to slow down your breathing even. Maybe you got a bit bored and so maybe just pull your attention or your focus back here. Friends, this afternoon, wherever you come standing from, whatever you face, whatever is in front of you at this current moment, I hear the strong voice of the shepherd reminding us that God is good. That God is good. That God sees your pain, he sees your struggle, he sees where you're going through and what's happening in front of you at the moment, but he wants to assure you that his purposes are good. That all things work together for the good of those who love him. Friends, our God is good. Amen. And so as you're in this posture of prayer, I wonder this afternoon if anyone needs that reminder. I certainly do. And if you do, I just invite you to repeat this simple prayer after me. There's nothing magical about these words. You you won't start levitating. You won't grow a halo or anything like that. but I believe that the creator of the universe, God himself here is dwelling amongst us. And so we pray this prayer. If you, if you want to be reminded, encouraged, perhaps introduced to the goodness of God. Dear Father, remind me of your goodness. Even when I'm lost, 
even when I'm afraid. Remind me that you are still good. And so, Father, that's our prayers, simply coming before you this afternoon. As we see modeled by Joseph, as we see modeled by Mary in this beautiful birth story, Father, would we be reminded of your goodness? And so we're going to sing. We're going to sing and adore who this Jesus is. We're going to declare names that we believe to be true about him. But if something's stirring in your heart, if there's this thing of like, I don't know if I'm actually convinced of this, or I don't know if I'm actually operating out of the space that God is good, it's going to be a team of people on the side over here uh, offering some prayer for that. I'll be there and I'd love to pray for you through that. But friends, as we sing, as we worship God this afternoon, may we do it out of a place believing and in faith that our God is good. Yes. We sing together.